Welcome to the Infertile Mafia. That's Kayla. And that's Sarah. Today we're going to introduce you to some new friends of ours. This is a special episode. It is. Promoting, yeah, the Art of Infertility art exhibit titled Challenging Conception, which is a free exhibit that will feature artwork and stories portraying experiences of infertility, reproductive loss, and family building via assisted reproductive technologies. In this episode, we're featuring five artists, the co-founders of The Art of Infertility, and three local artists, local to Chicago, who will be featured in the exhibit. And they're going to talk to you about how art has helped them cope with infertility. Yeah, so enjoy meeting our new friends. And uh, at the end of the episode today, we are going to announce our fall giveaway winner. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But for now, enjoy the art of infertility. All right, I'm here with Elizabeth and Maria uh, from The Art of Infertility. I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves and tell us more about what The Art of Infertility is and what you do. Okay, great. This is Elizabeth. Um, I'm Elizabeth Walker. I um, started The Art of Infertility with Maria um, about four started working together, collaborating on the project. Um, but it initially started out of one art exhibit that I created in my hometown in Jackson, Michigan, um, that displayed a variety of artwork that I had created um, while de- dealing with infertility, along with artwork from several other people I knew who were also creating art around their experiences. And um, shortly after that, I met Maria, and we worked together to um, collaborate to form the nonprofit that that is today. So I'll let Maria take over from there. Yeah, I'm Maria Novotny, um, and Elizabeth and I actually met uh, at Resolve's Advocacy Day. Uh, we were both peer-led support group leaders and decided to go there um, for the first time, and that's where we met each other. We both lived in Michigan, but we didn't know that um, we were each kind of creating pieces of art around our experiences. So I actually started off making a lot of pieces um, that were more creative writing pieces, And uh, Elizabeth shared with me some of the visual images she made um, and invited me to come and see this art exhibit that she put together with a bunch of her um, own peer-led, own support group friends, essentially. And so I went and I drove and saw it and was totally blown away. And at that time, I was also working on my um, PhD and going to do my PhD around Um, infertility and how um, individuals basically navigate all the challenges, both healthcare and um, like cultural challenges to dealing with being infertile. And so I pitched the idea like, Liz, we can probably do something around my dissertation for this. And the project kind of grew through, um, I think, a desire for us to just continue going into different communities, learning and hearing other stories, experiences, seen art and it's really been healing I think for us um, as two women who still don't have kids of our own. Um, We say the best thing that came out of our infertility was our friendship and so it's been really cool to kind of be on this uh, experience with each other. I feel like a lot of people feel that way when they make friends from the infertility world. Can you tell us more about your exhibit called Challenging Conception in Chicago? 
Sure. So this is Elizabeth. Um, we uh, a lot of our exhibits um, kind of are a play on words in many ways, and even the art of infertility is. So um, we often call it an abbreviated art of IF, which can also be art of IF. So um, you know, assisted reproductive technology, but also the artwork and infertility is IF, but also like. Um, you know, if this happens, if this works, that's something that's a constant mm -hmm. in our lives when we're dealing with infertility and trying to build our families. Um, so challenging conception, um, the name for that kind of came from the same kind of deal, you know, we're um, cha having challenges with conceiving, so it's challenging conception, but also, you know, um, kind of challenging the, the thoughts around um, infertility and what it is. And we always like to display a, a wide variety of experiences and artwork um, that really show that infertility doesn't discriminate and it impacts all kinds of people and not just the, you know, people who are di diagnosed with infertility, but also their extended um, social networks of their family and their friends. Um, it's Pregnancy and Infant Loss um, Awareness Month. So we're also spending a lot of time curating a show that is exploring some of those ideas of reproductive loss, um, whether through miscarriage or through, um, through uh, just the loss that we experience um, dealing with infertility, whether you try treatment or not, like there are all kinds of losses mm -hmm. and second, secondary losses that go with that. Um, from the, both the male and female perspective, I think that's also something that people don't think about all the time is that you know, infertility is often thought of as a women's issue and um, it, it impacts men um, as often as it does women. It's pretty much 50-50. So, um, and, you know, either way, whether it's a male or female um, factor diagnosis, it impacts um, both both um, people involved. So, Maria, you want to share a little bit more about the exhibit itself? Yeah, I would just add to that, that um, especially because this is attached to Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, that um, there's a lot of artwork that's really become more popular, I think, to circulate um, about infertility. So, for example, like, I think a lot of people saw um, the viral photo of this rainbow baby who was born um, and the baby's basically surrounded by a heart full of syringes, right, that helped create that. Um, and what we're trying to do with Challenging Conception is to honor those success stories as well, but also make space for um, representations of those invisible losses that don't get um, recognized and also don't necessarily have a visible like support system um, to, to talk about those experiences. And so um, there'll be a variety of different um, pieces. So some that will be like, um, showing uh, the success that came out of treatments, but then other pieces um, that are still works in progress. And I think uh, for Elizabeth and I, that's really important. And we try to continue this um, wherever we go with the project because there's just few spaces that really um, attend and listen to um, those moments that are kind of difficult for other people to understand um, and figure out a way to interact and support them when they're going through that. And on October 13th, that is your reception, correct? Correct. So the exhibit actually opens up um, on October 2nd and will be on display through October 31st um, here at Open Studio Project in Evanston, Illinois. And um, we are having our exhibit reception on October 13th. 
Uh, we typically do it earlier in the month, uh, kind of kicking off the whole exhibit, but it would conflict with the American Society for Reproductive Medicine's annual conference if we did that this time. So we wanted to make sure um, we did it at a time when the entire infertility community would have a chance to attend. Um, so that reception is on October 13th from 6 to 9 p.m. Um, so we will have an artist panel um, featuring infertility mafia or infer infertile mafia, mafia and also infertility illustrated. That's uh -huh. why I was trying to say both. Um, along with several of the artists that are um, contributing to the show here um, by letting us display their artwork and their stories. Um, so we're really excited about that um, and just kind of a nice Q&A um, session and just kind of sharing perspectives on creating art um, and other forms of um, creative expression, whether it's writing or art or film or a podcast or whatever it is, however you express your infertility. Um, we'll also have a screening of how to buy a baby. And um, we're gonna Skype in the uh, creator and writer of the series, Wendy Littner. So she'll be joining us via Skype or somehow that night. <laughs> we would mm -hmm. love to fly her in, but um, being a nonprofit and not having mm -hmm. a huge budget, <laughs> we weren't able to do that this time. But if anyone would like to sponsor that, <laughs> yeah, we would happily take, take <laughs> that opportunity to do that and actually bring her in yeah. for, the, for the exhibit as well. That's exciting that you're gonna screen that. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, um, we've shown other film screenings in the past, but we're really excited for this one because this one takes a comedic kind of take on the experience. And so some of the art can be kind of heavy. It'll be nice to kind of balance it out and have a few laughs about the whole experience of trying to get pregnant when right. You're infertile. Right. And we'll yes. have snacks and it's a time for everyone to kind of do the art and gather and just, um, we really like to offer the entire community to come together in a safe, safe space. Um, and a lot of friendships are formed and connections are made. And, you know, maybe you have a chance to just like walk up to a local doctor and have a conversation about infertility or just what that experience is like for you or connect with someone who has a similar diagnosis. So it's a really great opportunity to um, gather in a safe space, um, bring your friends and family because it can be a really great way to communicate um, what the experience of dealing with infertility is like. That's a little less awkward than having that conversation, you know, across the dinner dinner table, you know, having a piece of artwork to, to talk about and um, reflect on can be really helpful. So that's one of the other ways that we really encourage people to take advantage of the event and come and, and use it to as a way to communicate um, what infertility is like to their their support network. Where can we RSVP online or find tickets and, or find out more information about the event? Yeah, so um, we have our website, um, artofinfertility.org, um, and that's a place where you can always find our schedule and what we're up to and where we're going to be, um, as well as our social media. Um, tickets are free. You don't have to RSVP ahead of time, but of course, we always like to know how many people to expect. Um, and Maria, you said there's a link on the Instagram. Yep. So if you go to our Instagram, which is art of if, um, you can find a link in our bio to buy tickets, um, and RSVP that way. So super easy. And we'd love to see you on the 13th. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the podcast and involving us in this. And we will be hearing more interviews from artists that are in the show coming up next. Great. Thanks for Thanks having us. us.
right, so I've got Raina Cohen here with me. Did Cowan. I say it right? Cowan. Cowan. I'm sorry. That's I should have right. asked Everybody before we started that. recording. <laughs> it's okay. Raina Cowan. No, I tell me because I hate when people mispronounce my name. So Raina Cowan. She's a licensed clinical professional counselor and registered art therapist with a master's degree in art therapy from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. And her areas of practice include mental health, stress, anxiety management, emerging adulthood, trauma, life transitions, reproductive issues, infertility, recurrent pregnancy loss, adoption, transracial adoption, and adjustment to parenthood and parenting. Um, And she specializes especially in helping people connect through forms of art. And Raina is an adoptive parent in a transracial adoptive family, which I want to hear about that in just a second. Okay. But can you talk to me first, Raina, about just what is art therapy? Ah, that's <laughs> a very hard question to answer with words. Um, so I, I don't have the um, definition in front of me, but it's basically using art as a therapy modality um, to address uh issues with people. Um, It's especially useful where verbal uh, therapy might miss things or might be hard to elicit. Uh, It's very useful for coping with grief and loss, trauma, soothing anxiety, um, just increasing awareness maybe of feelings, bringing stuff up from the body, things that might be stuck, emotions that get stuck in the body, especially connected with pregnancy loss and infertility. Mm -hmm. What is a typical, like a a client that comes to you, since this is a podcast about infertility, um, maybe someone says, I've suffered pregnancy loss, I'm having a hard time coping with it. What would your therapy necessarily look like? I know it depends on the person, I'm sure. I mean, I tend to... um, kind of toggle between talk therapy and art therapy. Okay. But if the person is open to art therapy, I would probably ask them in that case to um, to somehow make an image um, that maybe represents uh, what pregnancy means to them or what a specific pregnancy meant to them, what their vision of it was. Mm. Um, and then we would maybe look at that image and work with it. Okay. Um, sometimes I use things like boxes or... Um, other ways of sort of containing emotions yeah. because art therapy is also really good at that, that sometimes we need some way to rein in those emotions or gain some feeling of control over them. As someone who, I know you suffered multiple miscarriages. I had one as well. And um, there's something about like not having anything tangible to sort of like mm-hmm. help you process the grief or close the chapter, so yeah. to speak, or mm-hmm. so, and I mean, I've never, I've, I've been to plenty of therapy, <laughs> not specifically art therapy, mm-hmm. but I know, I mean, I'm an artist myself, not a visual artist, but I'm a musician, and I know that um, just doing anything creative, mm-hmm. whether, and especially with my hands, whether mm-hmm. it's painting or drawing or something, I know how powerful and healing that can be. So absolutely, it's, you know, yeah. it's great that you're helping people through that avenue. I think it's something people miss mm-hmm. that's out there. And especially if they think I'm not an artist, I can't, you know, it's like, that's not really the point. Right. You know, it's just yeah. like, no, you know, art skills are required to do art therapy. <laughs> <laughs> that's mean. good to know. Yeah. Glad you said that. yeah. Um, so speaking of uh, the pregnancy loss, we just talked about, I guess you said that you've had five miscarriages. Yeah, they were all first trimester. They were pretty early. I think the longest one was a 12 week miscarriage. Okay. Um, that was 
after an IUI. I also had um, a blighted ovum, and that was a, a natural, quotes, mm-hmm. pregnancy. Okay. Um, and that was real fun because I had to take um, mistopropyl me- or oh, whatever yeah. it's called yep. to. Mm-hmm. The cytotech. The cytotech, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, was, I had to do that, too. It's mm-hmm. not fun. No. <laughs> so after going th- suffering through recurrent pregnancy loss and you were doing fertility treatments at the time, um, you ended up not having a biological child, and you moved on to adoption. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk to you quickly about um, two things. Number one, what is transracial adoption for anyone who's not familiar with that term? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, number two, when did you decide adoption was the right choice for your family? Um, okay, well, to answer the first one, um, transracial adoption is just when um, the parents and the child adopted are of differing races. <laughs> or you might have one parent that's one race and another parent that's another race, and then the child might... right. Be, be a third race, be a third or, race or, 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 yeah. or a combination, uh, you know, but it's still, you're a family that sort of spans different races, your sure. first races. So. And I'm sure that comes with its own set of challenges. Parenting, uh, it's a parent's responsibility to help your child develop solid identity. Right. And racial identity is part of that. Mm-hmm. So um, when you're a... Uh, uh, my daughter's multiracial, so when you're a multiracial child of white parents, it's, yeah. you know, how do you find your place in the world, and right. how do you know who you are, and we do specific things. We make sure we have um, books that feature kids of a lot of different races. We make sure we are part of a multiracial playgroup that's a wonderful uh, part of our lives, and we do a lot of things to ensure that um, our daughter uh, is not um, sort of isolated in a in a white mm-hmm. world yeah you're yeah. really mm-hmm. intentional about uh-huh. that yeah so when did you decide adoption is was going to be the best choice for you well so we had always been interested in adoption we had uh, it, it, if I had had my way <laughs> we would have had one biological child and adopted a child because I always wanted more than one child but um, due to kind of advanced uh, parental age and um, due to being tired of fertility treatments, and also both my husband and I at the time worked for Catholic institutions. We had no uh-huh. coverage yeah. for IVF. Um, they pulled our IUI coverage in the right before I was having a cycle. Mm. So I found out like the day of an IUI that it was no longer covered <laughs> because the archdiocese had changed their mind about IUI. Talk about um, kick you when yeah, you're down. Yeah, <laughs> right. And this is over a decade ago, um, by the way. But um, so we realized that if we were going to pursue IVF, we would have to pay out of pocket mm-hmm. and any money that we had set aside for adoption would be gone. Right. So for us, it was a pretty simple financial decision. And then also when you throw in the odds of a, yeah. of a late 30s, early 40s woman having IVF, mm-hmm. Um, not to discourage people out there, but the odds are what they are. The odds are what they are. When you throw in the the numbers, um, both financial and odds wise, we just chose adoption. It was a much better likelihood for us of becoming parents. We liked the idea of it. We didn't want to go through any more assisted reproduction. Mm-hmm. We were just kind of done. And it, and there was a couple years. I mean, it took a while to adopt, and there was also a period of time of grieving for us and of loss of, of course. you know our would be child. Right. Um, which I think is really important to um, resolve some of that grief before moving on to adoption because you don't want to transfer that grief onto right. your adopted child who 
shouldn't be right. subject to that. No, yeah. no. It's mm-hmm. just a complicated thing that a lot of people face dealing with the idea of feeling guilty that you're sad that you can't have your own biological child, but mm-hmm. you're obviously still excited about adopting a child. Yes. But you don't want them to think that they're like your third, fourth, fifth choice. Right. Kind of thing. Right, exactly. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I would encourage anyone who's in that position thinking about adoption, it might be a good thing to talk through some of those feelings mm-hmm. with a therapist yeah. <laughs> like Raina. Right. <laughs> yes, I'm more than happy to talk about that and certainly don't push an adoption agenda. But I think for yeah. us, it was a great choice. Um I really wish we had done it sooner mm. because I think we would have saved ourselves a lot of heartache and misery. Yeah. And I'm glad we didn't do it sooner because we wouldn't have the great kid that we have now. We'd have some other kid that would right. be great too. <laughs> but but we, yeah. um, you know, we adore our daughter. Of course. And, What's know, her name? Her name's Natalie. Natalie. Mm-hmm. Nice. What um, was the timeline like from the time you decided, okay, we want to adopt to the time that your child was in your arms? I mean, I think if you count all of the searching for the right agency and going to kind of different meetings and things, pro- I'd probably say two years. Okay. But I think from when we picked our agency to when we got our daughter was a, a little over a year. Okay. And do you to think that it is about on par, like average or no, longer, I think shorter? It, I think it really depends. We have friends that adopted within like three months. Um, okay. So it really varies um, on just, you know, it's sort of like, because you don't choose a baby the birth family chooses you right so which is i think a common misconception uh-huh. misconception is that people get to sort of go buy a baby yeah, or pick a like baby look through the catalog mm-hmm. yeah right <laughs> so it's really it's completely the opposite of that it's that birth mothers usually biological mothers um sometimes if there's a a biological father involved too mm-hmm. but usually it's the woman um is looking through profiles right through the agency or on their own which i would think could chalk up a whole other set of emotions mm-hmm. about feeling why isn't anyone picking me right you know yeah oh it does yeah, yeah i mean sure. yeah and you you know when we were going through it you sit there online and you read other people's profiles mm-hmm. and you think Oh, they look like they'd be great parents. We suck. You know? No one's going to pick us. Um, it's like a, some kind of weird dating profile, except for... Yeah, yeah. And, and our daughter's um, biological mom um, actually told us that when they were looking through profiles, because we had to make a, an actual like little booklet at the time, um, and being artsy, I you know, kind of got into yeah. it and <laughs> tried to make it really pretty. But she told us at the time that both... That she... Her, her daughter, who was four at the time, she has other children she's parenting. Her daughter and her her mother all picked us oh. out of the books they were looking at. Oh. So that was kind of yeah really nice to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, you know. Well, speaking of art, if we get back into uh, art uh-huh, <laughs> and yeah. infertility. So uh, I, I mentioned that you have a master's degree. What made you decide to take such an interest specifically for the infertility community? I mean, I think I know why, but... (laughs) Well, I did a lot of my own art when I was going through it. Um, And, of course, that was part of my process and Mm -hmm. helped me work through a lot of the um, trauma of it and the disappointment. And, you know, I think... um, for me, that that's always how I am. I mean, that's how I get my feelings out, and that's how I process through things. Okay. And then I just, you know, being able to offer that to other women. You know, and there's there's been artists throughout history who have 
made images of miscarriage, Frida Kahlo being one, mm-hmm. Alice Neal being another. Can you talk about why you think art is a positive outlet for dealing with infertility? Sure. Um, I mean, I think that um, art is it's an it's a way to externalize because I think if you keep everything inside, I, and I, I mean, I think there's still so much stigma about infertility being barren, being impotent. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's sort of almost a disability feeling. Yeah. You know, I think you can through view infertility through a disability lens. You can through view it through a trauma lens. Right. I'm a little tongue-tied here, but <laughs> that's but, all right. But I think you get the idea. I do. And yeah. I think that um, externalizing those feelings and also making it public in some instances really helps people to own the feelings and and not feel ashamed, not feel like defective. Because right. I think a lot of us going through infertility, at least for myself, I felt defective. I felt like oh, yeah. something is wrong, wrong with, with me, me on a very basic biological level, right. you know. Right. You know. Which is very hard to wrap your head around. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Why isn't my body doing the thing it's supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. You're it was so nice welcome. to meet you. Thank you for having me. Tell everyone where they can find you. Oh, um, you can find me at um, reinatherapist.com. Um, and um, uh, you can look me up and look at my website. There's articles about adopting after infertility. And um, I'm going to put some resources up there soon, too. Okay, great. Um, and we'll link your website in the show notes for this episode as great. well. All if right. you're in the Chicagoland area, definitely check Raina out. And um, if you're going to be in the Chicagoland area in the month of October, will you be at the exhibit on the 13th? Absolutely. At the reception? Yes, so- I will. We'll both be there. Come say hi to us. <laughs> Thanks again for joining me. Thank you, Kayla. I'm here with Christine from Infertility Illustrated. Christine, can you tell us about your style of art and what people can expect from you at the Art of Infertility? I heard about the Art of Infertility from someone who reached out to me on Instagram early on, and they told me about... Elizabeth and Maria, who were doing this exhibition of work, and uh, they were having an exhibition in Madison, Wisconsin, which is only a couple of hours from where I am in Chicago. So I just reached out to them, asked if I could submit a few pieces, and that's sort of how the relationship started. (laughs) Oh, and then they ended up just happened, they just happened to come to your city. Yeah, totally coincidental, but really convenient. (laughs) Yeah. And you're going to be on a panel on the 13th at the reception, right? Yes. It's a Kayla will be there with you, so it won't be as nerve-wracking, I bet. Yes. Thank goodness. Going alone. <laughs> uh, my style, I would describe as kind of a mix between illustration and cartoons. Uh, They usually aim to take a more humorous look at infertility, um, but sometimes serious as well. Um, I do everything in 
pen and ink, basically. So, you know, simple line drawings. Ever so often, I'll do something in color and add marker, but usually just a simple, simple line drawings in a cartoon or illustrative style. So you got pretty popular on Instagram. That's kind of where you started and why people know about your illustrations. You're, so a lot you digitize them, would you say? Yes. Uh, I started, I usually draw them on paper and then scan them in and then um, post them from there. But lately I've also been doing more work on the iPad Pro using an app called Procreate, which is a great app for drawing digitally. And that makes it a little bit easier to share work online too. Yeah, and Procreate, like, I know about Procreate, but people might be like, oh, you're using an iPad. It's pretty much the same as using pen and paper, and it doesn't help you in any way, like, as far as creating things. Like, it's all you, right, wouldn't you say? Yes, I I actually think it's almost a little bit harder sometimes than pen and paper just because you're drawing on a flat screen that doesn't necessarily have that paper feel to it. Um, so it's it's a little bit harder to figure out where your line is going or how your drawing is going to come out. Fortunately, you can erase <laughs> as many times as you need to, but um, it's a little tricky in that sense. But yeah, there's no... I don't trace thing. I mean, you can tell I don't trace things in my work. <laughs> so it's it's all 100% my drawing. <laughs> yeah. Procreate is... I, I really like the program. Okay, so what is the inspiration behind your art? Uh, the inspiration is kind of just those everyday moments uh, when you're going through infertility um, as you experience it on a day-to-day basis. So either something someone said to you on the street that kind of triggered you, I might illustrate that, or, um, you know, a, a loss if someone had a miscarriage or if I had a miscarriage, I would illustrate that. Um, or, you know, something like injecting your medicine, how that goes, you know, how unfun it is to get progesterone shots in your butt. <laughs> oh yeah, that is not fun at all. <laughs> we have talked about, you've been on the podcast before, so if people want to know more, like in, in depth, what we talked about before, like this, uh, you can go to the episode we did with Christine. So tell us about the pieces in the show. So I have um, probably at least three pieces, I think, in the show, and I would say all three of them aim to take a slightly more lighthearted look at infertility. Um, They look at the whole idea of, you know, every time you have to have a shot, the idea of getting a reward for having to take a shot, or... um, you know, how you spend so much money that come tax season, you get to have a big refund, uh, things like that, lighthearted moments, and then, you know, some frustrating moments as well, how you can't help but keep tally every time someone announces that they're pregnant or they just had their baby, and in your head, how many times, how many cycles of infertility or fertility treatment you've gone through. Um, So those are a couple of the pieces that I'll have in the show. 
How has art helped you cope with infertility? Art has given me an outlet to, 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 I don't know, express my frustration or sometimes grief or, you know, give life to something that I think is kind of funny that maybe only someone else who has experienced infertility would get. And in that sense, it sort of made me feel better about moments where you kind of feel alone in the process and you you feel kind of, you know, on an island. It's nice to see other people react and appreciate something that you drew and say, I felt that exact same way. Thank you so much for illustrating exactly how I felt in the situation. I thought I was the only one who felt like that. And now I know I'm not. Yeah, that I think that's definitely the reason why so many people love your illustrations. Yeah, it's I, I always appreciate it when people are like, I, I can't believe, you know, you felt that way too. This has happened to me or I hate it when people do that. It's so frustrating. It's just it's nice to know because sometimes even I still feel like I'm the only one who could possibly feeling jaded or like angry about something. And then so many other people are like, yes, thank you for saying that. It's it's a nice feeling. So um, that's that's definitely how it's helped me cope and not feeling so alone in the way I'm feeling about a lot of the whole experience. And where can people find you online? Uh, online, people can find me at infertilityillustrated.com, and uh, that website is still a work in progress, so bear with me. Um, and then I, most of my work, or everything, is posted on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram name is at infertilityillustrated. Um, no more underscore. <laughs> at infertilityillustrated <laughs> is my Instagram name. So just those two places. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast and people can see you on October 13th if they want to meet you in person. Yes. Thank you for having me. Shannon Novotny and she is a local Chicagoland artist as well and I was just looking at your website Shannon which is shannonnovotny.com and your art is beautiful thank you I was like that okay that I would actually put on my wall (laughs) (laughs) I'm super impressed first of all and I want I want to hear from you about like how you describe yourself as an artist, but I did read part of your bio on your on your um, website, and I wanted to share that with some of our listeners right now. Um, so it says, science has and continues to explain the world around us in a logical and qualitative manner, yet there will always be a void that science cannot explain how nature affects our thoughts and feelings. Science believes in an objective reality that can be measured And as human beings, we can never truly experience objectivity. My work attempts to bridge the gap by subjectively illustrating the self-renewal process in the world around us in a way that can hopefully inspire us to be just as durable. 
And I love that. Thank <laughs> you. That's great. Yeah. Total science nerd. <laughs> <laughs> science nerd, but also understand that science really doesn't have all the answers, especially when it comes to our emotional yes. well-being and thoughts. I immediately thought of all the parallels between what I just read and how the ways people deal deal with infertility because I know you're very much into like the renewal process or at least that's what it sounds like um, things dying and becoming new and just kind of like the process of life yes life and death and Mm -hmm. all the parallels you have you can have um, with an infertility experience so Talk to me a little bit just about yourself as an artist. Yeah, so um, as I said before, I'm a total science nerd, um, really into um, biology, um, biological forms, self-renewing processes in nature. Um, I would be happy just sitting in a forest for three hours with my feet in the dirt just thinking about, you know, the self-renewal processes that are happening beneath my feet. That's great. So how would you, like, if someone were to ask you, like, what kind of artist are you? What would you call yourself? Um, I would just say, you know, I'm really a scientist. I like, I like culturing forms. I like playing with paint and pigments and, um, mixing things that I shouldn't be mixing and, you know, (laughs) letting them sit for an hour and seeing what grows. Um, You know, I I really think of myself as a sort of scientist. Like the experimentation side of art. Yeah. (laughs) Well, as it relates to infertility, can you give us a little bit of kind of a backstory on your infertility experience and kind of what brought you to the art of infertility? Sure. Well, my infertility started about two years after my daughter was born. Uh, My husband and I always planned on giving her a little brother or sister, and we happily fell pregnant right away. Um, But after our eight-week ultrasound, discovered that our baby had passed away. Um, About three months after that, my father passed away. And around that same time, we had another chemical pregnancy. Um, what followed that was a very long and traumatic, uh, two month miscarriage. Um, after that, we had about a year and a half of infertility, um, decided to seek out a fertility specialist. And after three rounds of Clomid and two failed IUIs, we moved on to IVF. We had our first fresh IVF transfer um, earlier this year and miscarried very early on. Um, After that, we decided to take a little bit of time off and do additional testing and found out that I was MTHFR positive. But after that, nothing was really coming up as a red flag. So um, bouncing from confusion to sadness to anger, uh, none of this makes sense because we have a happy, healthy, thriving four-year-old. So um, right now I'm sort of in a holding pattern and focusing on um, getting myself healthy, researching ways to better prepare my body. Um, So that's, that's where I'm currently at right now. Okay. 
thank you. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you. Um, and I know a lot of people can probably relate to that part of your story, especially the, like you said, the anger and confusion. Why didn't this work? And especially people with secondary infertility like yourself. And you said that the the piece of art that that the exhibit is featuring kind of came from those feelings of kind of where you are right now. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about the the piece that, that people can see at the exhibit? Yeah, so um, after I got my MTHFR diagnosis, I spent hours and months researching better ways to better prepare my body for our next transfer. And of course, I dragged my husband into the process because why not? <laughs> um, and I was... I wanted both of us to be healthy in case we decided to do another egg retrieval. Mm -hmm. um, and the piece for the Challenging Conception show um, visually lays out our daily pill routine. Um, mm. The repetition of process of taking pills every day um, carries this hope for me that each cycle will end, that my next cycle might produce a su successful pregnancy. Um, also, the pills, their uniformity of shape is eerily similar to the circular shape of swollen follicles and fertilized embryos. And, you know, suddenly you find that everything starts blending together and you're constantly reminded of your infertility and it suddenly consumes yeah. you. You know, your cycles continue on. You continue your medication and you continue to miscarry. Um, that cycle just repeats itself over and over and over and... You know, that, that's where art comes in for me. A lot of circles. A lot of <laughs> circles, yeah, cyclical process. Yeah. In fact, I put in our Instagram page once, I was, I was, you're so right that you just like start to see it everywhere. I was like walking down the aisle at Ulta or something and one of the shampoo bottles had like all these circular blobs on their label I was like, that looks like an embryo dividing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like took a picture and posted it. Because you're right. You do. You start to see it everywhere you go. <laughs> yes. Um, so maybe talk to me on a larger scale about um, why do you think art is a positive outlet for dealing with something like infertility? Um, on those days, you feel like you're living minute by minute, you know, when those waves of intense grief come and stay with you. Um, it helped for me to have something to focus and meditate on. Um, like I said before, I'm all about the process. Um, the therapy is in the process of art making. Um, the tug on the brush as it pulls through the paint or a mixture of watercolor and watching all the colored slurries kind of mix and blend in together. Um, it's meditative and it's intimate and it allows me to sit in that moment of grief and anxiety and process through it instead of ignoring it and pushing it down and having it come out in a crazy, ugly way later. Hmm. Well, that's a great point. It's a, it's like a way to, it's a healthy way to externalize the feeling. Yes. <laughs> You know, anyone out there, like, would you encourage them to just pick up a paintbrush or and just see what happens kind of thing? Or do you have any, like, tips or 
advice for people that are looking for art as a as a means to maybe deal with their infertility? Absolutely. Just, yeah, well, what I tell most people because they think they have to have this um, fully developed concept to start a painting, but really they don't. Just pick up a brush and start mixing colors. And I even tell people to pick up an adult coloring book and just start coloring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, keep your mind busy. Do anything. Right. And you're, you're right. There is something about like just the physical act of creating something that really does help get process, help you process emotion, at least for mm-hmm. me. So, yeah. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Um, can you end by telling everyone how they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, my email address is on my website. So, You can reach out to me to discuss art, to discuss infertility, um, really anything. You know, I'm I'm an open book. Great, and we'll we'll link Shannon's um, her website on the show notes for this podcast. But again, it's shannonnavotny.com, and she will also be at the exhibit for the live panel on October 13th. Yep. So come say hi to her there as well. And once again, thanks so much for joining us today, Shannon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much to all of the artists. Um, I'm so bummed Sarah can't join me, but I will see you guys and anyone else who wants to join us on the 13th in Evanston. So it should be a good time. Yeah. I think I'm looking forward to it and I do hope I get to meet some of you guys and and I'm just excited to um, support these local artists and meet other people in the infertility community. It'll be great. And the next thing that we said we would talk about at the beginning of the episode is the giveaway winner. So our giveaway winner is Missy. Uh, I think that's what her name is. Her name... Yeah, her name on yeah, I think so. where she wrote us a review is Missy Miss Risa. Is that how you would Missy what? Miss Arissa? Oh, Missy oh, I Miss Arissa. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but not only did she write a review, but she also tagged a friend in the Instagram post. Do you want to read her review? It's yeah. it's cute. <laughs> I found this show when I was sad and eating ice cream the month I was told I'm infertile. I listened to every show in less Aww. than two weeks. I laughed out loud, and I cried a few times. I love these two. They make this world of infertility into a real community. Heart, heart, Missy H. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Missy. Thank you. And that's, that's so why nice. you won. I could just see her, like, crying into <laughs> her ice cream. <laughs> oh, listening to me and you in her head. That's, kind of, that's sad. I know. <laughs> she said she laughed out loud too. That makes me feel better. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what she said is that's our goal. Make the world of infertility into it a real is. community. That's what we're trying to do. So thanks for that review, Missy. Send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com and we will get your information and get the giveaway goodies to you, which are going to be lots of fun fall stuff. I'm excited. And we also have an honorable mention. I just felt like we couldn't, I just couldn't go without 
doing something for this person either. Her name is Anna or maybe Anna. I'm not sure. She wrote us a review, but she also followed it up with an email and explained that she has a three-hour commute to and from her clinic, her fertility specialist. And recently it was four hours because of the snow. Snow. And this was in September, guys. Where are you? She needs comfy. Yeah, where are you, Anna? She needs comfy items more than any of us, I think. So she said she listens to us while she commutes, which if she's got a three-hour commute, Sarah, we need to start pumping out some more episodes. She's going to be... Oh, man. <laughs> she's going to fly through the whole... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just thought she deserved something comfy, too. So I think we're going to send her some comfy socks and an Infertile Mafia t-shirt. So, Anna, send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com as well. And thank you to everyone who participated in the giveaway We appreciate the reviews, and we do this not only because we like, you know, it's fun for us to to give stuff away. That's always fun, to put a smile on someone's face. But you're also doing something in terms of, like, creating awareness of the podcast for people so that they can find us. That's why we ask for reviews and posts on Instagram. It's not really for us. It's so other people can find us and join the community. So thank you for participating. Join our closed Facebook groups called the Infertile Mafia. And then inside of the Infertile Mafia, there's the Infertile Mafia Bosses and Babies. Once you get your BFP. And follow us on Instagram (laughs) at Infertile Mafia Podcast. And feel free to send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to hear more talk about eggs and balls and stuff. And in our next episode, Christine, who you just heard from of Infertility Illustrated, will be joining us again, this time as a guest host. And she's going to join me to talk about Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. So that'll happen in the next episode. And as always, thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Bye. Bye. Bye.